1: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law hey trojan fans it's time to get into the huddle with the peristyle podcast the peristyle podcast is your weekly ticket to usc football and recruiting news don't forget you can download the podcast 24 7 at our website com. and now Here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham.
0: Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. And today we're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde, about the, uh, what potentially is the last weekender for USC fans for quite a while. Uh, Trojans going up to Berkeley, uh, taking on the California Golden Bears and getting a 50-49 to 49 win. A lot of weird stuff happened in that game. We're going to talk to the coach all about it. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com, for all of his content. And we have a lot of questions we need to get to. If you have questions for any of our shows, please be specific in the uh, when you send in the subject who the show is for, uh, and just say, hey, the que- who the question is for, which show podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. And uh, we got a lot of questions for Coach Hyde today. And you can also call or text us at 424 254 9141. We got some voicemails to get to as well. And if you uh, wherever you listen to the podcast, we do appreciate that. Um, but if you have the Apple Podcasting app, like on your iPhone. Just go over there, take a minute, and uh, leave us a five-star review. We haven't had one for a little while, so we would really appreciate uh, some reviews over there. Uh, say say hi, whatever you want to do, any kind of feedback or comments for the show. We do appreciate it. You leave more reviews. It does help to grow the show. And i uh, got to talk with the coach right now because it was a weird, weird game from the very beginning, right before the coin toss. Got a protest. Got a weird halftime thing. I've never seen anything like that before. And, of course, the... Uh, Coming down to a defensive play for USC uh, right at the end and securing a one-point win. But, Coach, welcome in, and uh, thanks for uh, sharing all your thoughts with the on the game today. How you doing, man?
2: Well, thank you. I want to welcome everyone. would not it nice to have an afternoon game? Wasn't it nice to be able to watch a good afternoon football game and still have the rest of the day to watch more football? But again, I want to welcome all of you. And again, I look forward to being with you again as we are every Monday. And again, I always say at the beginning of our podcast, it's just our opinion. You have your opinion. We have our opinion. If you went to the same game I went to, I saw my portion of it and what I think. And you saw yours. So, uh, Ryan, let's huddle up and break this and move the chains.
0: Yeah, we got to move the chains and get to talking about this game. Uh, Before we do, I just... A little bit of, I don't know if it's like breaking news, but we'll do it. A lot of people were asking us about, hey, when is USC and Oregon going to kick off? Obviously, that's a big one. Um, uh, right now, we, we, we learned on Monday morning, there will be the six-day window selection for that. So it's going to depend on what happens uh, with USC and Washington this weekend. Um, so they the TV networks are going to wait to see where they put USC uh, versus Oregon because Washington is also playing Utah so that's also in the six day window so for example if USC beats Washington it'll be you know that that Oregon game will be more uh featured um, I guess you could say and then um, you know Oregon's got Cal this weekend so it shouldn't be that big of a deal uh, and you know Washington, if Washington wins, the, the, the Washington-Utah game would probably be the more uh, featured matchup because um, Utah this weekend has Arizona State, you who know, they've been better uh, recently. But So the six-day window for that, so we won't know the game time for USC versus Oregon until after this weekend's games, and uh, it'll be a better time slot most likely if USC beats Washington.
2: Well, that's good. I'm glad you told me that. So yeah. I'm going to know uh, six days before the game. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're traveling up to uh, – and it's 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 tough because, you know, Portland's a little bit of a drive uh, from Eugene. So people that are going up to the game, you're flying to Portland, you're not sure when you're going to be driving down. So we'll, we won't know until after this weekend. So uh, root for USC to win. You'll probably get a better time slot. I'm not sure what slots are available, if it's a night game is possible or not. But – Obviously, it's a big win up there, uh, Eugene. So I just want to kind of let everyone know uh, what was going on with that. And uh, the coach, we mentioned this game started off really weird with the protest right before kickoff. You got the halftime thing going on where they do an untimed down uh, right before half, and then you know a two point conversion at the end, like just a weird. I mean, just a weird game overall, and I guess it's sort of a fitting end to. Uh, you know, USC and Berkeley and, and you know Cal playing all those all those years. I mean, 110th, 110 years, I guess, of history there. Everything that's been going on uh, between these two programs, it sort of was like a great way to su- kind of sum it all up uh, in one last game, I guess.
2: Well, I don't know what to call a game. It was a long game, about a four-hour game, and you had just about everything happen in that game that could happen in a football game. As you just mentioned, some of the things that uh, you saw and we saw, I don't think I've ever seen, I can't remember me ever seeing a play given after halftime, ever. And uh, so there was a long debate on that, and I guess uh, Coach Riley had the, uh, one out on that. It went up and lined out for a field goal, and all that debate and everything wasn't worth anything because they came out with the same score that they went in and started the second half with the same score. So it's too bad they missed that field goal, but uh, I don't know. That's the way it goes in college football. Nothing's for sure.
0: You know the weird thing was, Coach, that that uh, Dennis Lynch, by getting that one extra play after halftime, and I asked Lincoln Riley about this postgame, and he kind of gave a long answer about him going over there challenging uh by the time he challenged though the players were already in the locker room and he said the referees did the right thing that it came from above that they said it'd send everyone to the locker room but once lincoln riley knew that this was the call the ruling on the field he could challenge it and he had felt very strongly that it was like at least a second left on the clock so he felt that this was going to be the right thing so you know the band is playing the referees are listening to lincoln riley then they like Review it and say, okay, it's, you know, they will have one second left. Coach Wilcox, Justin Wilcox, comes flying out of the locker room and he's irate. And uh, I think Lincoln Riley said he was pissed, was the words he used, if I'm not mistaken. And Justin Wilcox told Riley, like, you know, I get it. I would have done the same thing. And and Riley told Wilcox, like, yeah, if I was in your shoes, I'd be pissed too. Uh, And the referees decide that they're going to do an untimed down, uh, you know, after right before they don't want to bring the players back out because they're already in the locker room. So basically before the third quarter starts, they're going to run, they're going to finish the second quarter. But the weird thing is, and you know, Chris Trevino, I think pointed this out because he was down on the field for us, that Dennis Lynch could practice the exact same kick that he was going to do. Like it would have been the end of the second quarter. He could practice it because the, the kickers come out early and warm up. So he was practicing the exact kick. They end up missing. Uh, and Justin Wilcox calls a, t- calls a timeout. So he called timeout after halftime, but it was a first-half timeout, not a second-half timeout. Just a really weird thing. And then after all of that, he misses the field goal. So, I, I like you, I've never seen anything like that, Coach. You've been around this game a lot longer than I have, but I've never seen a play, a second-half play, a first-half play run after halftime.
2: No, I haven't. Uh, I think it was uh, probably a good way to do it if there was actually a second left on the clock. You don't want the game decided on that, so didn't make any difference anyway. <laughs> the guy missed a field goal. So, you know, I used to tell those kickers, uh, never mind what I used to tell them.
0: <laughs> well, did, did you think it was weird that he was able to practice the right kick? Like, I, I don't know what the referees could say, but like, hey, you're not, you can warm up, but don't practice the exact kick you're about to do. Like, that's, that seems kind of unfair. I, I don't know what you could do for that, but that was a weird one.
2: I don't know. I wouldn't have challenged it, but it worked out okay. All right? It worked out okay, and uh I don't know. Maybe he thought about it too much, and, you know, those kickers sometimes think about everything too much, and and uh, that's why you call that timeout. You're trying to psych him out and everything else, so it worked. So uh, I don't know. We spent too much time on this already.
0: That's true. Good point, Coach. Uh, okay, so wanted to get you know looking at your tweets during the game. You can follow them on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. I think the the discipline aspect comes up. Um, you know, this was a weird game where USC won the turnover battle four to one and still needed uh, this crazy comeback to to come back and win. It just it seemed like not being able to uh, fit the runs correctly or allowing the quarterback to uh, pick up fourth down or third down with his legs, uh, you know, critical plays and uh, inopportune penalties. It, it seemed like discipline was one of the, I guess, I don't want to say harping on it, but just one of the aspects you were sort of pointing out uh, throughout the game.
2: Well, I was. I think it uh, was for the whole team as far as being able to perform, the uh, assignment that you're given and also to be able to stay with something that's working. Uh, I think sometimes you get away from what's working but you think it's working too well or you think you have to be smart to do something else and you have to be disciplined in your assignments as a football player of the play called and what your gap is and all the different things that go along with it and I just don't see that. I don't see that consistency as far as among the entire team, the all all 11 players. I mean, it takes 11 players to play on offense and defense and special teams, and uh, you don't always see that happening, and it's, uh, it's something that you have to do. Plus, I don't see the discipline as far as, you know, the penalties and the different things. What did they have, 101 yards and penalties, something like that? I mean, that's just part of discipline. That's just part of knowing what to do, when to do it, and to be able to control what your uh, your feelings are, your emotions are, and holding, and all the different things. And you do things that really hurt the team. And and uh, that's all part of, you know, I, I, I don't know, I discipline, concentration, the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see it on the sidelines. I don't see it anywhere. And uh, I just, to me... It just bothers me. Bothers me because when you have supposedly better football players than your other team, you've either done one of three things. You've either misevaluated your players, you haven't recruited right, or you have them out of position, or you haven't uh, disciplined them to perform what you ask them to do or act on the football field. And uh, if, it, if it's not the players, then what is it? It's discipline or coaching. So if you have great talent, then it's your responsibility to put those players in a position and teach them to be disciplined both on and off the field.
0: Yeah, there's, I mean, 11 penalties for 101 yards, that's not good. Um, just really or famine, you know, it was like, and we'll talk about it on the defensive side. But before we get into that, I do want to talk about the offense, Um, and they ran the ball more. They had 26 runs by uh, running backs in this one. This was one of my keys to the game, Coach. They actually did a good job of it. Now, it wasn't a lot of success early, but Marshawn Lloyd broke a couple later on. Uh, Austin Jones found the end zone, but I feel like sticking with the run kind of really helped this offense. I don't know what you feel about it, Coach.
2: Well, I feel this. I feel the USC has the skilled players to be a great offense. And I think you've got one of the top running backs in the country in Lloyd. You've got the top one of the top running backs. I'm not saying he is a top running back. You've got maybe the top quarterback in America. You've got great receivers. But you're still worried about stats and you're worried about all the other things. There's no continuity. There is absolutely no identity to the offense of what you're going to do next. I mean, there's so much you could make of that offense with a great running back, with lead draws and things to help Caleb, uh, screens uh, to Lloyd. uh, Not that Jones isn't a great back, but, you know, I see the kid run 53 yards or 56 yards for. Uh, great play, and then you take him out of the game and put in Jones to get the score. Why? Why wouldn't let the kid get his own touchdown? I mean, these are the things I see, okay? I don't know why you take him out. But there's so many things like this that you can have great series, you can be a balanced offense, you've got the tools to be a balanced offense, you can make it so much harder on the defense, by being able to run series, when you have a great running back, you have a great quarterback, you have really good receivers, you can help your offensive line as far as making the defense be more conscious of the run and and the pass blocking would be better. All this, but you make it so hard on yourself. I mean, you run these plays and you have a lot of success, and then you never run them again. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Or why you don't just keep it. Balance, or is there something that says I got to throw the ball or we've got to keep things happy? I think what you got to do is to have a great offense and a great defense by consistency, experience, timing, rhythm, and make it difficult for the defense to be able to stop you. But it doesn't seem to like to be that way. They don't want to make it easy for themselves, they make it so difficult for themselves. Thank goodness they had the turnovers in the game. If they didn't have those turnovers in the game and the kid fumbling that punt return, I'm not quite sure if they'd have won that football game. So I don't know why they want to make it so hard on themselves rather than just go out there, play football, don't care who gets the glory, do what works, make it easy on yourself, and and utilize your tight end. I keep telling you this all the time. Utilize your tight end in a passing game. It's a mismatch off a of play action. Put him on the line of scrimmage. Run two uh, backs. They ran a lot of two-back sets. Both of your backs are pretty good receivers. Have him, have him pass block. If the guy doesn't come, let him be the uh, checkoff guy. I mean, it's so hard. Look how they checked off to Deloitte a couple times and and the runs they had. And I mean, this is you know you can throw a three yard pass; it'd be a fifty yard gain. You still get the stats. So I just don't quite understand the rhythm, the philosophy of their offense, where it's so hard to make it so hard for you to watch and say why they call that play.
0: Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned the defense. We want to get onto that side too? Uh, four turnovers. One of them was on special teams, and it was really uh, it to me like the just feast or famine. Like they were giving up chunk plays, seven plays of seven or twenty or more yards to Cal. Five hundred twenty-seven yards of offense. I mean, uh, four straight drives where Cal scores touchdowns after fumbling. Uh, Their initial drive and three more touchdowns or four more touchdowns. And I'm sorry, three more touchdowns in the second half. It just seemed like, you know, 49 points to Cal. It's the most they've ever scored in a loss. But there were some big defensive plays, too. I don't know if you've seen this before, coach, where you're just like kind of it's either you give up a touchdown or it's a a turnover on downs or force a turnover. Uh, It seems like it was one big play. Or another, either a big play that you allowed or a big play that you created. But at the end of the day, you can't give up 49 points to Cal. And that, that's what USC did. It wasn't off a whole bunch of turnovers. This was long drives, 75 yard drive, 75 yard drive, 66 yard drive, 50 yard drive, 75 yard drive, 54 yard drive, 79 yard drive. Like these were drives with huge plays in them. Um, I, I don't know what you made of it, coach.
2: Well, I think I was watching Aaron Rodgers out there. I mean, they made, made Mendoza, I don't know, all of a sudden he became a passing star, too, at the same time. And uh, that was hard for me to believe. But actually, if you watch that football game, uh, they got away from the run in the second half. Uh, their back out, uh, was hurt, I guess. And uh, so they went to the passing game, and they had very a lot of success during the football. But again, uh, You know, when you're not disciplined on the defensive side of the football, and they aren't, the linebackers were not going to their gaps, and I know at halftime they got hell for it. They weren't tackling well in the first half as far as on the run. There were gaping holes where uh, he ran through for those two opening uh, long-run touchdowns. I mean, gaping holes, nobody got to that gap whatsoever, and they were getting cut off, and, and the whole thing, they're in the line of scrimmage trying to take the wrong gap. I mean, uh, the second half, they, they play a little better with that. I watch them. They uh, uh, change the linebackers up uh, for something. I don't know what they told Gentry at halftime, but he played a lot better and seemed as though that he uh, played more like the uh, linebacker they talked about him being. So, you know, you've got to get these type of efforts and you got to be disciplined on defense. Because if two guys go to the same gap or do the same assignment, you know, guy's going to go straight to the goal line. And I, and, uh, you know, and I, and, and the secondary, you know, past interferences. And, uh, I don't know, uh, what technique they're teaching or whatever, but Mendoza had a great day throwing the football. They ran the football. They kept the USC really off balance. And, uh, on that two point play, I'm going to tell you, Gentry. I, I don't want to point out kids' names. I apologize there, but there was a hole on that play. If you looked at it, nobody made a big deal out of it.
0: Yeah, no, that yeah. I think it was questionable. Uh, it was close, um, but yeah, he
2: tackled it was. <laughs> tackled It wasn't questionable. He tackled him. I, mean, I think <laughs> I think he thought he had the ball.
0: Yeah, I think um, Bear Alexander made a difference too in the second half. He's he. Yes, been, he did. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. He did make a difference in the second half.
0: Yeah, and and then we had a lot of questions, but one more thing. I mean, I, they get the punt recovery, uh, the fumble recovery on a USC punt, and it's weird because Cal never returns punts. They've only returned a few this year. Decide to do one, fumble it away. It pretty much, it probably cost them the game. But oh man, coach, like kickoff returns, not getting back to the 25. They had one that... Got to the ten. One that got to the eleven. Really putting an offense that was struggling at the time in holes. First kickoff goes out of bounds. You know, Cal gets to the thirty-five. There was just a lot of hidden yards that were going against USC in the special teams play. Then, of course, missing that uh, extra. Uh, You're know, miss, missing the field goal that should have been the end of the first half. Missing an extra point. Um, I mean, it just seemed like the special teams. They had the one big play that was beneficial, getting the fumble. Um, Tucker Curtis punched that out there. But outside of that, it was a pretty abysmal effort, I think, from USC special teams, Coach, once again.
2: It all comes down to discipline. Special teams is discipline as far as staying in your lanes, covering, breaking down, making the tackle, knowing where you are in the field, when to fair catch, when to let it go through the end zone, when to run it out. It's all part of discipline. And not trying to be a star or trying to do something you're not supposed to do but go by the rules and regulations of where you are in the field and what you've been taught. But sometimes kids just forget that, and it's a me show, and I'm going to run it back for a touchdown, or whatever is in their minds, and, uh, you know, these things start to happen. So missed field goals uh, of that distance, missed extra points, uh, all that, uh, you know, is not, what do you want to call is not uh, acceptable. I think that's the best way to put it. It's not acceptable. You're going to lose games when you can't do those things. You practice all week on them. Yeah, it comes down to winning or losing a football game. Those things are unacceptable. And the special teams is a big part of college football. I I, I made sure that I coached a portion of the special teams, and I learned that from Johnny Majors. Uh, a lot of you don't know who Johnny Majors is uh, because uh, – you're too young, but uh, he was a head coach at Tennessee and Pitts, Pittsburgh and all that. And he told me I learned that in the Japan Bowl when I coached with him over there. I said, I noticed you're coaching the entire special teams here, coach. yeah, I want my players to know that I think special teams are the most important thing or one of the most important games we, uh, things on the field when we win or lose. So he coached special teams in the All-Star game over there. So, uh, you know, it's... You've got to make it important. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you look at some teams' play, they have their starters on special teams, not backup guys. They think it's so important. They're playing their starters. That the guys that are playing their best players on special teams to uh, let the, the others know and the players know how important it really is. Sometimes you say, "I want to get this guy in the game. I want to get this guy some playing time. So let's put him on the special teams." Well, that guy will cost you a football game. So you know you've got to make it something that's important, or the kids don't think it's important. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we got a lot of questions, so let's get to uh, let's take a break, and we'll come back and we'll start answering uh, questions. We got a lot, Coach. Fans you get the win. Still not uh, really happy. So uh, back in a minute, everybody.
1: Are you looking to advertise a campaign, short film, a public service announcement, an important message? Look no further than Regency Outdoor. We have been around since 1974 and have the greatest locations in Southern California for your advertising goals. Our creative billboards are sure to catch everyone's attention, make an impact anywhere and everywhere in Southern California. To get started and for more information, call 310-657-8883 or visit regencyoutdoor.com. Regency makes it easier than ever to get your message everywhere in Southern California.
0: All righty. Let's, our buddy Don in Chicago. Um, now, I'm just a, you know, this is his voicemail coach. Maybe a little hint of sarcasm in there just to give you a preview, but let me play it for you and get your thoughts. Here you go.
1: Hey, it's Don from, uh, Chi Town. Listen, what a great win by USC. And I'll tell you, man, our defense really came up big with a two point conversion and those, uh, turnovers in the second half. They played a great game. And you know what, uh, coach Hyde, um, and Ryan, I really think we need to, uh, uh, to re-sign Grinch to a long-term contract because I feel like the team, he's turning the team around now and the defense. I mean, Mendoza, the Cal quarterback, clearly a first round draft pick and we shut him down in the second half. So let's see if we can get, you know, Grinch that contract extension, right? Especially with Oregon coming up now, we can't lose him because, uh, you know, we really need Grinch uh, to for our defense against Oregon. So, hey, Coach Hyde, Ryan, what do you guys think? Don't you think we should sign him up for another couple of years, lock him down so we've got him over the next couple of years? Hey, thanks so much, guys. Fight on. <laughs> hey,
2: hey, I'm actually laughing at this guy. This guy's great.
0: This go, guy's go,
2: Yeah. Oh, it really is. Uh uh, I can tell, uh, he's tired of saying, uh, say it uh, in one way, so he changed the way of saying it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, you know, he's got a lot of pressure on him, and, and, uh, obviously, uh, the defense isn't playing well. And, and I want you to know, it's not just the defense, I think the offense, too, is not in a rhythm or where they're utilizing their players at the best that, that, that they could also. But on defense, uh, they, they, can, they really do break down. Uh, they allow a lot of points. Uh, they make it a football game. Every every game's a football game, okay? You don't have confidence if there's two minutes left in the game. You, you don't have confidence we're going to win this football game. Time management, we're going to win this football game. And it goes down to should have Cal kicked the extra point. I don't know. Should they have gone for two? Should have Lincoln Riley gone for two? As many times as he did, should he kick the extra points? These are all things you look back at now, and you see you're pretty good at asking these questions during the game. During the game at that time, you're not quite sure if it's right or wrong. But, uh, you know, he's taken a lot of pressure, and the kids have taken a lot of pressure on the defensive side of the football. If there's going to be a change on the defensive side of the football, it isn't going to happen now was I'm not quite sure that would improve the defense. But uh, what I mean by that, who on the defensive side of the football, if they make a change, is going to improve uh, the defensive philosophy and what they're doing defensively. They're not going to change what they're doing. They might uh, change personnel or, or that. So you've got to just ride it through now. He had the opportunity of making that change last year, and I think what he tried to do is satisfy everybody. Lincoln Riley he was—he said he was going to be a bigger part of the defensive side of the football. He was not going to allow this to happen again. He was going to be uh, involved in the defensive side of the football. I don't—I don't really see him involved in the defensive side of the football during the game. Maybe at halftime he is, but uh, I think he's turned that. And Mike Leach said the same thing. Okay, came up on the Mike Leach tree. Mike Leach couldn't have cared less what the defense did. Let them do their thing. I'm going to do my thing. They can do their thing. Just get me to football. And uh, he had the philosophy that we'll just make it difficult on them and we'll just outscore them. So uh, I just think it's something that uh, Lincoln Riley has done, and he's a close friend of this guy, and they've been able to overcome a lot of their uh, problems by wins and having great athletes making great plays on the offensive side of the football. And the last, uh, season at the end and most of this season, they have not performed on the defensive side of the football. So they more or less have put themselves in this position by making statements during the off season at the end of the season after the Tulane game, people looking for these changes and the changes haven't happened. So all the criticism that's going on is partly due to them.
0: Uh, you, you mentioned the two-point conversion. We did have a question about that. Um, Chris and San Pedro said, "Can you address this with Coach Harvey Hyde about going for the two-point conversions in the Utah game? Kicking the extra point would have ensured overtime. In the Cal game, we would have been up by nine or ten, and the game virtually would have been over, whether they score or not. Makes no sense to me, especially considering we have we haven't been successful." And really, on most of the conversion attempts, we haven't even been close. On the other hand, other teams seem to have an easier time converting on us. Um, that's uh, he says. Thank you, Chris, in San Pedro. They actually got the the, the win against Arizona on two point conversions. Got the stop against uh, Arizona and got the uh, convert on that one. I I think USC went for too too early. They didn't need to really do that. I think the book says you're supposed to, but and it just seems like there was a whole bunch of points scored. There were a whole bunch of drives like you could have made up for it at some other point. And I don't have a problem with Wilcox going for two there. I mean, you're the undermanned team, got banged up a little bit, go for the win. I, I didn't have an issue with that one. But any thoughts on all the two-point conversions, Coach?
2: A lot of two-point conversions. You know, more or less to me, uh, it was the uh, timing and the momentum of a football game where I made those type of decisions. I know you have that little card that tells you go for one, go for two, and so on. There's sometimes I didn't go by that little card. But it depended what part of the game, when the game was, what process, what quarter we were in. Is it going to make a difference right now, or should I just maintain the momentum, get the score, not get give the momentum back to them for them stopping us? Do we need to do that now? Uh, and I think you've got to... Know that in advance, uh, when you're driving down the field, uh, you would have a discussion with your offensive coordinator and yourself and the head football coach. And I don't know if that time, since Lincoln Riley's calling the plays, if he can have any discussions with anyone on what he wants to do or what's best at this time in the game uh, as far as going for one or two. But you got to have a plan now. If we score, we're going to go for one. If we score, we have to go for two. You should have that already decided before it happens. I know I used to have it always before it decided or happened, depending on what part of the game it is, the momentum, and all that that went along with it. Uh, You know, the chances of making a two-point play, I think the percentages are that you're not going to make it more than you are going to make it. And when I think when... uh, and uh, William scored in that play. It was really a, a keep that he made that two-point play. He almost didn't make it, the one they made. And uh, I agree with you. There isn't anything unique that uh, USC has done to uh, make that two-point play. I mean, it it seems like a special play that's drawn up somehow, uh, that hasn't been utilized or any series or anything to make them think about anything different. It's always something that, I don't know, it's in the grab bag again. And uh, I mean myself, when you have better players than someone else, you should be able to design a play where you can physically get that two-point play or make it come off a series that you have or whatever. And uh, I, I don't know, a lot of two-point plays... Uh, a lot of going back and second-guessing in this game. And we're always right when you can second-guess. So uh, that's why I went into uh, broadcasting, because I'm always right now. <laughs> and when I coached, I was always wrong.
0: <laughs> Fair point, Coach. All right, here's another voicemail for you.
2: Hey, Ryan. Coach Hyatt. Franker from the
3: East Coast. How are you doing? Uh, so now that we've given up 42.5 points over the past five games, I think we can all look forward and say... Beyond this season, it's not going to play in the Big Ten next year. It just it just won't. And I feel like we've got to the point with Lincoln Riley where it's like the Wizard of Oz. We pull back the curtain on what's supposed to be this great head coach, and all we see is a guru of one side of the ball. And Coach Hyatt, I was just wondering, and this is a parallel draw, and I know you've had probably a lot of conversations with Randall over the years on this one. He reminds me a lot of uh, Buddy Ryan. Buddy came to Philly. He was a defensive line coach for the Purple People Eaters. He's the architect of the 46 defense, the Bears, the you know, Super Bowl. Came to Philly, he had incredible defenses, great players, Reggie White, Jerome Brown, Eric Allen, the, the works. And despite being there for five years having these amazing defenses, we made the playoffs, but never won a playoff game. Two more years in Phoenix and he was out. Why? Because he was fixated on the one side of the ball. You know, Randall led the league in, in being sacked five times it was that bad and it reminds me a lot now of what's going on with riley's great offenses he's high trophy winners but just pathetic on the other side of the ball and, and as we learn with buddy no matter what your greatness is on one side it, it just it just won't get you where you need to go you can't be so great that it's going to offset you know just just mediocrity It'd be beyond mediocrity just 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 bad on the other just abjectly bad on the other side of the field so just kind of wondering what your thoughts were on one.
2: take care Well, my feelings are you got to always have a great defense to win championships. Uh, I don't want to talk about what's happening across town, but they have an identity. Their defense is their identity. They're going to keep you in a football game. They're going to give your offense uh, an opportunity to win by giving them the ball. Uh, They're going to create turnovers. They're going to give your opponent poor field position by sacking them seven times like they did Sanders this past week in 11 hurries and on offense you don't have to score a lot of points all you have to do is don't have any turnovers have an identity run the football equally and also pass the ball equally and uh, you're going to win your share of football games and I think that this is not the identity like I said earlier SC really doesn't have an identity are they a great offensive team I don't think they are They score a lot of points, but they could sure be a better identity offensive football team. But they got a great bunch of stars. It just isn't one star. You can protect your superstar, which is the quarterback, who's the superstar, with your other great players by running the football, making it easy on them, and so on. And, and you could do it, but right now, uh, yes, you have to be a balanced football team. To win championships, you gotta play defense, you gotta play offense, you gotta have great special teams, you gotta be disciplined, uh, on and off the field and everything you do and not be involved in all the other things that are happening sitting on the floor of a Laker game and, and doing all these things. I mean, that's great. But what's your priorities? Uh, you've got to have priorities. Uh, and uh, right now, they get players, a lot of players get as much publicity off the field than they do on the field. And I think it's supposed to be on the field where you gain all of who you are. And I think it's the coach's responsibility, too, to put them in a position when they can prove who they are and uh, not say, uh, well, we're going to be great offensively or we're going to be great deep." Hey, you've got to be great everywhere. And right now, USC is not great everywhere. And I don't know if they're utilizing, like I said earlier, their players to the best of what a coaching, coaching staff should do on the offensive side of football. Now, again, this is just my opinion, but you've got a running back that's as good as any running back in the country. And you've got a quarterback that could be the best quarterback or is the best quarterback in the country. With that type of combination with the receivers you have, you should be unbelievable as far as moving the football on a balanced attack. And on defense, you've got to put together a defense that's solid and sound and not confused and have players who can do their assignment and follow through or do whatever is necessary to win. And you can't keep, I don't think, uh, changing things or uh, rotating a lot of players because I don't think you have that many great players on the defensive side of the football. I mean, you've got adequate players, and you do have a one or two that are pretty good players, but you got to have them have a unit pride where a unit pride is to not anybody. Like UCLA has given up one rushing touchdown the whole year. I mean, you've got to have goals you set up on the defensive side of the football that those players put together that that they want to accomplish these things. And I don't know if I see that as far as anywhere on that side of the football.
0: Yeah. All right, we got a few more we want to get to. I know we don't have a lot of time, so we'll try to get through these quick. Um, this is from uh, Dad of a current Spirit of Troy member. Uh, that's the band. He says. Gents, these can't all be true, right? That one, Caleb is a generational talent. Two, Lincoln Riley is a genius or fantastic coach. And three, the team has played very poorly for the last month, including bad coaching, um, complete lack of discipline, uh, stupid penalties, et cetera, et cetera. He says, I think number three is true. Are you seriously ready to question Lincoln Riley's coaching or is Caleb merely very good? Uh, thanks from the Trojan dad.
2: Well, let me put it to you this way. Uh, sometimes people forget that players win games, coaches lose games. What I mean by that is you if you don't have great players and put in a position where you can win, you you're not going to win. If you put Harvey Hyde at quarterback, you're not going to win, okay? I don't care if you're Lincoln Riley or whoever. You put Caleb Williams there, you got a pretty good percentage to win if you do the right things to surround him and allow him to use his talents to win along with the other players. So it comes down to the number of players that you have that are capable of winning for you on the level you're coaching at. You never out-coach anybody. You out-player and recruit people and then you try your best. Not to ruin those players and put them in a position where they can be successful. Not thinking too much, but allowing them to utilize their skills on why you recruited them. You recruited them, obviously, because they're pretty good at what they do. So let them do why, the things that you recruited them for. Don't confuse them or change them. Put them in a position where they can execute. Not think And that's why I sometimes think that, you know, huddling up isn't a bad thing, especially on a big down on the goal line or fourth and one or whatever it is. So everyone understands, hey, this is what the play is. We need to all be together. The snap count is on two or whatever. So no one misses it where there's a mistake. And I think this is all part of coaching and understanding that coaching comes from players that can perform the assignment that you've given them and don't give them an assignment they cannot perform. And I think this is all part of what coaching is, is bringing your players to a level that you can defeat somebody if you don't make mistakes and you allow them to play at their abilities. And if you recruited the right players, you got a pretty good chance.
0: All right, here's another voicemail for you, Coach.
2: Hey, Ryan, this question is for you, Coach Grinch, and Coach Riley. When are you going to transfer from the Twilight Zone to the Reality Zone concerning how good this USC football team really is? The fans who are predicting that this team will not win another game on their schedule are basing their opinion on reality and what they see week after week. I'm one of those fans. Concerning the remaining schedule, USC
0: will close out their schedule by going 0-3. Ryan, he directed that to you. That was to me. Uh, well, he was saying that before the Cal game, which to be fair, USC almost lost, but they won that one. So Washington's not been playing that well. This is definitely a winnable game. And you just kind of have to go with it. I, I feel like if you're Grinch, if you're Riley, you're – saying that we are still second place in the Pac-12 and they have really tough games, all ranked teams coming up. They've not been playing the level that you could beat those teams. If, But you can still, you can still do it. You know, he, Lincoln Riley was very adamant after the game coach that they still can win the Pac-12 championship, that they have what it takes to do it. They just have to play their good. They haven't been really playing their good. He said their good is good enough to beat anybody. And I wouldn't disagree with him on that. We just haven't seen their good, especially in the last month. We haven't seen a lot of good from Washington either. So I think you get you try to get this win, and if you beat a you know, a number five team in the country, who knows what's going to happen after that's homecoming. There's a lot going on. So I think it's a huge game. Um it you know, so yeah, I I'm not gonna just say I mean, certainly they could lose them all. I don't think they're gonna lose them all, but you know, they could. Um, but if you're a USC fan, like I, that's not what I would be focused on. I don't know. I, I don't know what you think, coach.
2: Well, that's a difficult question uh, because you're now into a position where you, I said last week on the podcast that Cal wasn't a give me. And that's sort of demonstrating my thoughts on how good of a football team USC is cur- currently right now. And they were lucky to get out of Cal with a victory, okay?
0: Very lucky, yeah.
2: And they lost to a Utah team that had all backups everywhere. And Oregon beat Utah in Utah 35 to 6. Washington hasn't uh, played up to the ability they played against Oregon, but they were good enough to beat the teams they had to to beat. And I think that they'll be ready to play in Southern California and ruin USC's homecoming. If they can beat them by 50 points, that's be their goal. And uh, their coach is not intimidated because he's coached Fresno State down to beat UCLA in the Rose Bowl and so on so he's an excellent coach and I think someday if he wants to be would be an excellent NFL coach so if I had to put it all together and, and look at that I would say that that uh, USC's got to fight it's you know what off stay in the game because they're, they're not going to play an undisciplined football team or a team that hasn't won they're undefeated uh, they got a national ranking and uh, you hope that uh, they can survive uh, without beating themselves, and he's going to have to do some things offensively and get some big plays and get some help, turnovers and so on, to beat a team like Washington. You're just going to have to. And Washington is going to have to help USC beat them, which means they're going to have to fumble, they have to throw interceptions, they're going to have to have a punt block or something, sort of momentum, and get the crowd in the game to beat US uh, to to for USC to beat them. Right now, uh, you know, who'd you the favorite is Washington, okay? And yes, as a football coach, aren't you going to say what he's saying? What are you going to say that oh no, we don't we don't think we can win or we're not going to win. Yeah, we can still win it. But I could fly to the moon too. <laughs> Okay, the the odds of me making it to the moon aren't very good, are they?
0: No, not so
2: much. I would say the odds against him going undefeated aren't very good, but it could happen. Anything can happen in college football. And I would say probably the best playing team currently right now in the Pac-12 right now is Oregon. I think they've got a great offense, a great defense. You're playing them there. Wow, and there's not a lot of love between USC and Oregon, okay? Not a lot of love. So uh, Oregon will be all up for recruiting, everything else. to beat USC there, so that is going to be a very difficult game. And then across town, they're starting to be a pretty good football team right now. As far as the defense performances, the way they're playing defensively, the way they made a quarterback change. They've got a good running game. They utilize their tight end. They don't have to score a lot of points because nobody scores a lot of points on them. They don't beat themselves. That's going to be a very difficult game to win. So, and it's a it's a one game season, okay? So, right now, looking at what USC is facing, it's going to be a very difficult task. And to not be realistic is you're crazy. And uh, for him not to say we're going to we have an ability or a chance to win the Pac-12 is is a true statement, but realistically, it's a difficult challenge.
0: Yeah, um, Dan, class of '62, he, he wanted to know about the next three opponents. You kind of went over that, so we will appreciate that. We have a bunch more. We'll try to rapid fire these real quick. Um, Robert and Mykonos, Greece, tex- texted in and said, "I know you can't speak for anyone else, but." For you, coach, personally, as a head football coach, would you have taken? What would have taken you to miss two straight practices? Thanks and fight on, from Robert. So Lincoln Riley missed two practices because he had pneumonia. Right, Um,
2: right, right. Well, I really don't know how sick he was, but if he was really sick and he couldn't stand up or he's coughing and you know, then then I I don't think I've ever missed a practice. Uh, Not. Not that I I was stupid, probably not to to miss a practice. Uh, uh, But you got to be pretty sick, okay? You got to be pretty sick to miss a practice. You really do. And I don't think it should be kept a secret. I mean, it was kept basically a secret for a long period of time. We didn't know if he had a breakdown. We didn't know if he was sick. We didn't know if he had COVID. We didn't know what it was. And what the big secrecy. Everything's a secret. He's, he's so protected over there. One more question, this and that. Don't stop him at the gate. That, I mean, what's the big protection about? You know, he's got more security than the president of the United States. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about, Ryan? It, it's, it's true. I mean, when he runs up and goes through the, the gate at practice, he doesn't even slow down or try to say, how you doing, guys? Nothing. I don't know if I said this last week or not, but I went to practice there. I never had a chance to say hello to him or thanks for coming, guys, to practice. Enjoy it. ba ba ba. I mean, it's almost like he doesn't even look at you. And Ryan, if I'm exaggerating, please tell me, okay?
0: No, no, I get, I get you, Coach. Um, yeah.
2: So it's it's hard to wonder why why not the honesty. That he's really sick. He's got pneumonia, blah, blah, blah. He's running a temperature of 102. We don't want him around the team because we don't, you know, him to catch or give it or spread it or whatever the hell it is and move on. But man, everything's such a secret that you you start making up stories and you start wondering what the hell's going on, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, Kristen Phoenix, class of 92, he says, Coach, first, thank you for always bringing the USC fans a dose of reality what's really happening on the field and clarify why it's happening. Your post game insights are invaluable and must listen. He says, second, and most importantly, why do you think the press is giving Lincoln Riley and his staff such a pass during the post game conferences and uh, during the week? No one asked any hard hitting questions or even challenging questions. Are you scared of being banned or covering the program? That's completely false, Chris. Um, because do you remember the old days with big, nasty Joe McDonald and Doug Krikorian? Um, Joe McDonald was not a beat writer. He was like a shock jock kind of guy. Those guys would have pounded Lincoln Riley for answers as to why he hasn't fired Alex Grinch or why Caleb Williams looks lost on the field. No one ever challenges Lincoln Riley on anything. Appreciate all you do for USCfootball.com. Chris uh, and Phoenix.
2: Well, you know, I think, first of all, we have a bunch of young reporters covering uh, USC football. Young beat writers, young people that are getting a start, and they're a little bit intimidated by him. They're afraid to ask him, and they don't want to upset him if he starts to say, why would you ask me that, or that's the wrong question. It It uh, is intimidating to them, you know? And uh, the good old boys, or the boys of the old days, with a cigar in their mouth, didn't give a damn what. this. They want to know this or do that, or it would be uh, on the news, or... On the radio, or so on, or written in a column, uh, or t- told exactly the way it is, and and that's what I said as far as the protection. One more question, and and all of these type of things. It isn't really a press conference. It's a it's a I'll see you after the game type of thing where you sit there and he avoids the question he doesn't want to answer it, and he gets he's, he's I think he gets a little touchy. Ryan, would you would you agree with me? I think he gets a little touchy. Uh, on some of the questions are asked him because it's not a a writer that's been around for 30 years and he more or less looks at them as kids and uh, thinks they don't know or doesn't have to answer the question. Uh, and uh, nothing against that if you can get away with it. And he's been able to get away with that. And no one has challenged the one-more-question thing. Like, wait a minute, Katie, what what do you mean one more question? I didn't even have a chance to ask her question. And if you're going to wait around uh, for a press conference, you should be giving the press some type of courtesy where they feel as though they've had the opportunity to interview the head coach and get their columns and materials and get answers for the people who read them or listen to them. And uh, that's just my feeling. I always wanted to make sure, and I've said this on this show and others, you can't beat a barrel of ink if they decide to use it. And uh, the services like Ryan has, and the other services are becoming more important every day because the media sports sections are getting smaller and smaller and aren't getting the spaces that they used to get in the newspapers. So you better treat these guys good and uh, I and respectful. And uh, i like to see that be a bigger part of the program.
0: Yeah, and I would just disagree with a lot what you're saying, Chris. I mean, he was asked about keeping Alex Grinch we've asked him multiple times this isn't a trial we're not it's not uh, a, f- you know, a few good men and we're gonna get up there and like you can't handle the truth. he's asked about it he said he's focused on playing Washington. We got three questions after the Cal game uh, and I asked him about the halftime fiasco stuff he went on like he took took a long time on that. It's just hard to get these in but he's been asked about those things and it we can't force him to say, this is why I'm keeping Alex Grinch. Like, this, he's, he's going to give you the answer he's given you and you just kind of go from there. Um, all right. But he's been asked that stuff. It's just not, you're not being like a fan and say, yelling at him and telling him, we think Alex Grinch sucks. Like, this not, this is a reporter, not a fan. So it's a little bit different what's going on. But he's been asked all that stuff. He's asked about the rotation. Why is this guy not playing? Why is this happening? Um, and it just, you know, you probably don't like his answers, but it's not like we've avoided the questions. No one's worried about getting banned because they're asking a tough question. Nobody's worried about that. What people got banned for was doing things, that you know, reporting on stuff you're not supposed to report on. Not about asking hard questions. So um, I know you, uh, you're frustrated with what's going on there, but it's not the reporter's fault that, uh, that he's not firing Alex Gritch. um
2: No you know, Ryan, let me just tell you this. I think he has a great media pe- a group of people covering him. Uh, you know, there were days when people became investigative reporters where they didn't get the information that they asked for. They went on their own to get it. And you don't want that to happen. So I think that if you're, you're answering questions at a press conference, you're obviously taking care of the press, and you care about the press and what they write. And there are the backbone to your program as far as getting it out there. And they you've heard me, Ryan. I say it, the other guys don't say it. Because if they don't give me a credential, I don't care, okay? But the way they treat you at practice in the sun, in a little playpen area where you can't walk anywhere, and there's no restrooms anywhere for the media to use, there's no room for you to wait in for two hours of practice, they tell you to go to Denny's or find a room on campus. I mean, I'm just telling you folks out there, Ryan can't say it, but I can. This is what happens behind the scenes.
0: There, Ryan. No, and, it, and I, I'm not happy. Like, we've had our window to watch practice has shrunk. It's only like. You know, several minutes. We only get to watch basically the stretching, so it's pretty much a waste. Um, only getting three questions after the cow game, I thought was dumb. They brought in all the players and had them all speak at once instead of breaking out. So, not been happy with the way things run. I could say it too, coach, and I'll you know I'll let them know also. But you know, they're they're the ones that control what we get, and we can complain, and we do, and we'll tell them, hey, we don't like this. Um, so it just kind of depends on what they're going to do. All right, we went on too long uh, with that. Um,
2: well, uh, uh, we went a little too long for it, but I hope they listen to this podcast. Maybe they can learn something. Yeah, uh, I, I mean it. I, I don't care. I, I think they should learn something. It's 110 degrees, and you guys are out there trying to cover it. You would think it off your bottle of water, okay, <laughs> or something like that. No, there's nothing. And I'm, ladies and gentlemen, I'm serious about the restrooms. There is not a restroom anywhere open for the media. So if you are allowed to go in there, do you know what they tell you? Find a building that's unlocked. I mean, think about that, guys, please.
0: All right. Uh, We got a few more and we'll let you go. Dave says, I associate with other USC alumni, especially in the fall when we tailgate, attend games, and conduct fundraising for scholarships and related activities. We have been discussing the rash of articles criticizing Lincoln Riley. You must know that this adversely affects the players, especially the young ones in recruiting. Articles criticizing the coach for missing practice because of illness are absurd. Trying to shield players from media exposure is normal for at least uh, three of the top teams, Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama, according to friends in those areas. As you know, it takes four or five years to build a program. We ask that you give Rick Lincoln Riley your support. He's made see relevant again after more than a decade of being lost. Thank you from Dave. It's a little public service message from Dave, coach.
2: Well, I think it's a good uh, question. First of all, I feel sorry. You've always heard me talk about the players. I'm a players coach. I love the players, and I think they should be protected. And I think that uh, they should also be taken care of. But again, I think they have a responsibility, too, to grow up, have a class in media relations and what if you have to do. And when being interviewed, uh, understand how that's going to be. But someday in your life, you're going to have to apply for a job. Or fill out an application, and you should be able to have be able to have the experience of of these type of opportunities, of talking, and understanding and explaining your feelings and answering questions. You're not doing them any favor. What are they learning? All the people are doing is asking them questions, and if you've taught them right and explained them how you answer questions and how you call them yes sir. Yes, ma'am, I'll answer it to the best of my ability, but I'm not a football coach. I mean, this is what people respect. And these are how kids grow up, and it's part of football being an educational opportunity for players as far as communication with adults. So I think that they hurt them in that type of positioning and protecting them too much. Yeah.
0: All right, two more. We'll let you go. We got uh, David says, uh, do you guys think that the way this defense has been playing all season and everyone's saying they're terrible, uh, does that affect how the players play on the field? Maybe we can get Coach Hyde to give these guys a pep talk before the game next week against the Huskies and get them fired up. Love the show. Continue to do the good job you guys, you and your staff are doing. God bless and fight on from David. You want to give a pep talk, Coach?
2: No, I don't need to give a pep talk. I think the kids play hard, okay? I really believe they come ready to play. I think they want to win badly. They don't want to walk out of their house on Sunday and go hide somewhere or go to their parents' house rather than go to the fraternity house or be around their friends so they can think about it and they can hear what a great game it was. It becomes difficult for a kid to go to class or read the newspaper or listen to this podcast, and I think it's not fair for them. They're playing hard, but you got to be able to assist them in making their dream and the university's dream and the football program's dream. What becomes a real what you call first-class program on and off the field, and that is that's. Everything, that the way you dress, the way you travel, the way you get on the bus, the way you get off the bus, the way people see you in the store, the way people look at you and they say, that's really a great young man. He he said hi to me when I said, how you doing, Caleb? And he said, nice. How are you today? Well, have a great day. I hope you have a better day. This type of communication with people make fans love the football team on and off the field. Sometimes... Even without the record being a great one.
0: All right, we got one last one, uh, Jack in New Jersey. It's bad enough that USC has the same record last week as Rutgers, but today USC is ranked below James Madison. Really? I know, Ryan. You say the AP poll means nothing, and I agree with you to a point. Recruits see the rankings, and that does matter. To be recruits, do not give a crap about rankings. They watch games; they don't even know who wins. So don't don't. Don't, don't equate what you think is important to what recruits think is important because they're not looking and saying, oh, James Madison's ranked higher than USC, so I'm going to go there. That is not true at all. Anyway, he says, my, my question is for Coach Hyde. Is Coach Grinch's defensive scheme too complicated for college players or is it just so bad that it doesn't make any sense and adjustments can't even be made? Uh, no Jordan fan can be happy today with a 7-2 record knowing what looms ahead, Jack in New Jersey.
2: Well, you know, sometimes you can give kids too much because uh, when teams change their offensive formations or go to wildcat or do different things, they can't adjust to it. It takes them, you know, they come out in a hurry and line up and try to confuse you. And I see SC at times confused. You see the uh, defensive backs raising their hands over here, over here, over here or whatever instead of an immediate recognition of what's going on or the linebackers telling everybody what's going on or whatever. So, you know, you're better to stay base in some situations with the blitzes and suns and so on that everybody understands their assignments rather than trying to fool somebody. You beat somebody on the line of scrimmage, you know? And uh, I've found that to be true at times. I'm telling them or asking them in my past to do more than what they're capable of doing as far as mentally. And when you have a breakdown... All of a sudden, you have six points, just like those two runs that I did at uh, Cal or a breakdown in the secondary or whatever. You can't afford to have a breakdown, and that's before because if it's not athletic ability, it's because they can't perform what you asked them to do.
0: All right, coach. Well, great stuff. We really appreciate you uh, coming on, sharing all the insights. And thanks to everyone for the great questions. A lot of awesome statements, questions. Text, emails, voicemails, all of it. And, Coach, thanks for going through them all. I know it was a little long, but we appreciate you uh, sticking around. So thank you very much for that.
2: Well, thank you, Ryan. And, again, I want to welcome everybody to our podcast each week. We appreciate you because without you, we don't have a podcast. So, again, thank you very much. And uh, remember, you can listen to me Sunday mornings if you want an early edition. Uh, I don't have as much time, but uh, it's on AM 830 here in Southern California. That's KLAA. It's College Football Review and Preview Show. Chuck Hayes and I are with you normally every Sunday. And Ryan, I'm always with you every week. Monday normally.
0: Yeah, we love it, coach. Love to being able to talk to you after games. So that is the coach, Harvey Hyde. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys all enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time.